Hey everyone, I'm Ian Skura. And I'm Emily Hickmott. And welcome back to The Beat. This week's question is... What is it like to play Quidditch at Emerson College? This week is the third episode of our new series where we look at the histories of various Quidditch programs. Our guests this episode were Allison Neves, also known as Allison Gillette, Joanne Lamb, Tyler Trudeau, Kieran Collier, Tessa Mullins, and Sierra Delk. We want to start this episode by apologizing for the delay in our episode release. Um, we've been pretty busy with other responsibilities, so please bear with us, and thank you for bearing with us. And with that, let's jump right into some interviews. So our next guest is Allison Neves, who used to be known as Allison Gillette, who played beater at Emerson from 2009 to 2012. Um, she continued to play for a year after on community teams and was also on the first iteration of Team USA in Oxford, England. Um, she volunteered for two years at the IQA. She currently has one cat named Pitzel, who's a rescue from Vermont. Um, he is very sweet and doesn't quite understand small humans yet, but is getting there slowly. Um, so welcome, thank you so much for coming on. Thanks for having me guys. Yeah, of course. Um, so I guess just to start, do you wanna tell us what it was like kind of going to Emerson and finding out about Quidditch and joining and what that whole process was kind of like for you? Sure, I actually transferred to Emerson from Quinnipiac University in Connecticut. I had tried to decide between Emerson and Quinnipiac. I made the wrong decision, but luckily I made the correct decision to transfer in 2009. So I came in as a sophomore um, and I actually started uh, wanting to play soccer for Emerson. I played soccer all throughout high school in Vermont and I thought it would be great to be able to play a sport um, at a D3 school where I couldn't have done that at Quinnipiac, which was a D1 school. So I started playing soccer and I really felt like it wasn't the level of competition that I was looking for. I wanted a much higher level of competition. And I also loved Harry Potter and was very excited to find out that Emerson had a Quidditch team. Uh, I believe I actually found out at the org fair. Emerson hosts a fabulous org fair every year. Um, and there were all these humans dressed in purple with, I mean, Harry Potter looking brooms. I'm not sure what the brooms look like these days, but they were like straight up beginning of the beginning brooms um they looked crazy as heck and i knew that's where i needed to be uh, i was really excited though because they were they you weren't signing up to join quidditch it was signing up to try out um, i'm highly competitive so i knew that that was definitely the place for me uh and and at emerson we like i said we're a d3 school so we didn't have a football team uh, and I always like to say that the Quidditch team at Emerson was like the football team uh, at Emerson, which I quickly learned uh, and was really excited to try out. Yeah. So what was the tryouts like back then when you were trying out? Do you remember the process? It was either my tryouts or tryouts that I was helping uh, put on for, for new team members once I was a junior or a senior. But typically it was like any other tryout for, for a regular sport that you would try out for in high school. Um, everybody showed up, everybody had a number, there were different coaches throughout the field. You rotated through different stations, testing your different skill sets. There was a beginning part to the tryout where everybody would warm up and do stretching and things like that. 
Uh, and then throughout the tryouts, there was different competitions, whether um, it was things like being able to hold a plank or um, different like beater drills, trying to dodge, you know, the head beater on the team, throwing balls at you, things like that. Um, I remember them being really brutal, to be honest with you. Uh, when I started in 2009, that was their second year of having a Quidditch team. So the first year, I think, was just a conglomeration of friends that wanted to start things off. Uh, and that second year, it was already a huge hit, and the tryouts were really serious. Uh, you really needed to beat people out. And if I remember correctly, it was actually two days of tryouts, so there were callbacks on the second day. So, you know, you would start the first set of tryouts with 50 folks, and then the next day there'd be 25, and they'd be taking on 10 additional ones from, from the team um, from the previous year or so. I remember them being very intense, which is right up my alley because, like I mentioned, uh, I'm probably too competitive for my own good. I mean, so it sounds like there were these really competitive tryouts, but then what was it like once you actually were able to play like with other people at Emerson or against other schools? So Emerson was really cool and a, an interesting uh, use case in the beginning of Quidditch because Emerson really understood all of the different values of Quidditch. So they had their World Cup team, which was the competitive team. And that team handled the sport as they would any other sport. And I remember a lot of the folks on that team, like myself, Jared Kowalczyk, were huge proponents of making Quidditch a sport, of having a, you know, a set of rules, of ensuring that folks were doing workouts every week, of creating plays on the field. But then there was this really awesome uh, other side of Quidditch at Emerson, which was our house teams. And our house teams were everybody and anybody is welcome and can play and as we have more individuals that want to join our organization we will create additional house teams and the difference between the two teams is both were competitive in their own ways but the house teams were only emerson folks only playing emerson teams in the beginning but those teams were a lot more community centric they were a lot bigger on helping everyone on the team realize their best selves both physically and emotionally of really having a lot of pride for your teams. I remember there being uh, some serious like uniform competitions and face paint. Don't let anybody tell you that anybody else started this, but the handprint on people's faces, I don't know if people still do that today in the IQA, I started that. So <laughs> I put the orc handprint on and so did a lot of other folks um, on the Emerson teams, both when we were playing intramurally with our houses, but also um at the the competitive level with the world cup team but the world cup team was awesome it was i've i've played on championship teams before i've you know my my high school softball and soccer uh teams were championship teams and, and the emerson team was a championship team everyone was really dedicated to the sport really dedicated to each other we worked really hard every day whether we were on the field or off the field we took a lot of pride in our school and um, we took a lot of pride in each other uh, and at the end of the day, we would really do anything for our fellow teammates and the sport. Um, so the World Cup team was a lot like your traditional sports team, and the and the house teams were a lot more so uh, on the whimsical side of things, I would say. That's so cool. Yeah, I actually played in the Emerson House League, and it's a A-plus a time. Um, but what were some of your proudest moments from your time playing Quidditch with Emerson? Whenever I think back to Emerson and Quidditch, I just feel really warm <laughs> on the inside. I, I just really love my team and all of the people that played for it. And even all the folks that I've never met that still play Quidditch for Emerson, I just have a really big love in my heart for them because they, they really helped fill um, a gap, not just for me, but for lots of other people too, either on the friendship level or the physicality level. But 
Oh gosh, proudest moments. Um, I one of my proudest moments actually is 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 probably not a good one. Um, I used to be the queen of taking the third bludger and punting it off the field, um, so that I could monopolize all of the bludgers. And after my first World Cup in 2009 at Middlebury, that very quickly became a rule that you were not allowed to do that to the third bludger. So I do love the fact that I may or may not be the influence for some of the rules in the rule book. Um, That's a proud moment. I think I was really proud of my team the first year at Middlebury. Um, We lost to Middlebury in the finals. I won't rehash it. Um, I know one of you is from Middlebury. It was a questionable uh, questionable win on Middlebury's side. Uh, so I you know I think I think it really could have gone in either direction and I was just really proud of my team's performance um, and really proud that we had a, an entire fan bus of people that showed up to that game three hours away from our home campus. So um, I think just that unity that we created at our school, and the the home that we created for so many people we were we were the largest organization on campus and we were never once recognized by the school the school never gave us funding they never recognized us as a student organization yet we created this really amazing home for so many different walks of life that really found a place there so i think that's actually my proudest moment is helping build an empire where everyone was accepted everyone felt loved and everybody really just fell in love with the sport um, I guess building off of that last thought there are like combining kind of how much of a space it created for all these people. What ways would you characterize the Emerson Quidditch community from your time there? Um, and like what it, what it meant to you and, and to others? Um, we were a fun bunch in many different ways. We loved creating swag. I think we created the first snitches and hoes shirt that lots of parents ended up buying. I remember my younger brother at that time, I think he was like maybe in middle school and my cousins all getting snitches and hose t-shirts for Christmas. Um, So we were goofy in that sense. We also took a lot of pride in our appearance. When we showed up to a World Cup, we wanted to be as intimidating as possible by people just looking at us. So one year, everybody, all of the guys, and I think one of the girls got mohawks right before the World Cup, like as we arrived to the World Cup that night, everybody shaved their heads. We also did all the face paints, like I said, the handprints or like the lines underneath. We were big on that. Um, we also, so Emerson's an art school, so that's where some of this comes from. We also were the first team to have real capes. So um, in our art school, there was uh, like a theater design. And these people actually created costumes for a lot of the films and theater that happened at Emerson. They came and measured all of us and created actual harnesses that we wore across our chest that had hooks that capes attached to so we had some pretty legit cost or i should say uniforms um what else we also uh were really big on making playlists uh before like very angry sounding intimidating playlists uh before any big games or anything like that um and And I'm sure you guys hear this from every team, but it really was like a family. I mean, we had family dinners. We had family game nights. Uh, We were always, like I said, we were the football team. uh, So we always threw all the parties. um, So people always came came and hung out with us, which was a lot of fun. But we took took ourselves probably more seriously than we should have. We were were really the first team to really take ourselves seriously. I think very quickly Texas and then the California teams took over. Um, And I 
truthfully would not play Quidditch today because all those teams intimidate me more than my team back then intimidated everybody. But we were probably viewed as the first very intimidating team. Yeah, I've seen pictures from like World Cup four, and there are some very intimidating people on those teams. <laughs> yeah. So, what are some things that you think you the, like the program could have improved on early on? Like, is there anything looking back you're like, hmm, maybe we should have done this a little bit differently? Yeah, I think the main thing is having the school recognize the program. That was always a, a really, a really bitter topic. Um, and even today, it's a bitter topic. To be honest with you, Emerson uh, sends me letters and emails all the time asking for donations for different things to the alumni fund. And I absolutely refuse to ever donate. And whenever I get that letter or that email, I immediately go and try and figure out who the current commissioner is for Emerson Quidditch so that I can make whatever donation I would have made to the Alumni Association scholarship fund to the Quidditch, um, the Quidditch club. So I, I still today am bitter about it. And if I ever became a trustee at Emerson um, or someone on the, the board of directors, that would be my first thing is to make Emerson a recognized um, club at the school. If they were, Emerson, the, the Quidditch team would have a lot more funding. Um, they would have a lot more support. They would have better equipment. It would be safer for the athletes. Um, and I just think I don't see – I've never seen what the school has to lose. So I think if – I so I was also the commissioner of Emerson Quidditch. So – every club has a president or whatever. I was I was the president my senior year. And that was something that I, I fought hard for, but probably not hard enough. So if I could go back and do anything again, I probably would have fought that battle a little more fiercely. Um, and then other than that, I think Emerson has just, I think they really did a great job with all of their programs. I don't think there's anything that I would really change or anybody that I would have wanted to do it or not want to do it. Um, I think another thing about Emerson is they they set the standard early on for a lot of the different ways that Quidditch was taught, a lot of the different ways that Quidditch was played. Um, they set the standard for the ways that teams should be performing in the World Cup. Uh, we also were really essential in the beginning of the formation of the IQA. There was, you know, five five or more people from Emerson that were leading the IQA at all times for the first couple of years. We were creating the rule books. Um, we were on the committees for the first couple of World Cups. Um, we were running different departments at the IQA. And so I think Emerson was really dedicated to the sport. And with all of that in mind, I'm not sure I would change a whole lot besides getting them recognized by Emerson. Well, we do have very exciting news for you then. Uh, Emerson is officially a recognized club at Emerson College. Heck yeah, they better be. <laughs> I'm going to at least spend two more years only donating to Quidditch, though, before I donate to college. <laughs> for what they've done. But can I do a quick shout out to whoever is there in leading uh, ECQ right now? Congratulations to whoever made that happen. That is huge. It's a huge step for the organization as a whole, and you've changed a lot of people's lives for the better by making that happen. So way to keep fighting the good fight. Our next guest on this episode of the podcast is Joanne Lim, or Joe, um, who started playing Quidditch in 2010 uh, and played at Emerson for three years and was a Boylston Berserker um, and then went on to play for the Lost Boys in 2014 and 15 and now lives in Toronto doing personal training. 
Um, and sadly, though, as much as we love animals on this podcast, uh, it doesn't have any super close fun animals in their life. So welcome yeah. to the podcast. Hello. Thank you for having me. Yeah, we are so excited to get to talk to you about Quidditch and your time at Emerson. So do you want to kind of start us off by telling us like what drew you to playing Quidditch at Emerson? Yeah, certainly. Uh, super excited to be here as well. Um, again, thank you for having me. I actually originally had no plans of being in Quidditch, but I did enjoy going to the gym as a freshman. And having been a athlete my whole life, I played basketball and rugby growing up in Hong Kong. And so when I was lifting weights in the gym one day, two Quidditch players came up to me and asked me whether I was interested. Um, and then I was like very thrown off. I had no idea what it was. I admittedly never read any of the books. I have watched the movies. So I was kind of like, I don't know if I want to do that. But anyways, I was open to it and I went to take a look at what it was. Um, you know, they just played out on the fields in Boston Commons. And and uh, I have to say, as soon as I saw, I, I, I think it was a practice, but as soon as I saw um, some tackles happening, uh, my kind of rugby brain kind of came on and I became quite excited about it. Um, still had no idea what I was getting myself into, but all I knew was that it had tackling involved um, and it seemed like an awesome way to like kind of get to know people and, and to be active. So that's how I got involved with Quidditch. It is a funny combination of things in that way. And it's, it's also interesting to hear just like how different people get drawn in, like you said, because there's so many unique aspects to it. Once you kind of started playing, um, what were kind of your experiences joining the team and like getting involved in different aspects? Yeah, like you said, it, it was incredible. So when I joined, Chris Cito and I were, had joined the same year. Um, and, and I mentioned Chris because we later on became captains of the Berserker a couple years later. But uh, we joined the same year and we joined the Boroughston Berserkers. Um, at, as far if my memory serves me right, um, we didn't choose what team we were on. They just kind of picked us, which was kind of cool. Uh, or maybe the captains picked. I actually can't really remember. But my experience, I mean, right off the bat was, you know, I remember her Boros and Berserker being one of the top house league teams. And we had some top-notch players on there. And it was cool. Like, I, I didn't even really know that there was a, you know, we had a team that played other universities and other colleges. All I really know was that it, it felt like this cool, inclusive community where every single weekend, well, every week we would practice as a team and then every weekend during the season, we would play other house league teams who were also students of Emerson. So, you know, on the field, we were enemies when we played against each other. And then off the field, we would have gatherings everywhere from, you know, Christmas to end of season balls. So the whole experience, I mean, I feel like I'm like smiling as I'm trying to describe my experience now because it made my college experience just 10 times better. I can't imagine 
being at Emerson without Quidditch and without the the vibrant house league team. Yeah, I just remember us, you know, getting dressed up for for events. And then at the same time, we would uh, be super muddy doing bear crawls around the Boston Commons on 420 and everyone else thinking that they're extra high because we're crawling around the field. <laughs> <laughs> so what were some of your favorite experiences playing at Emerson? And it can be house league or the traveling team. The first one that comes to mind will be the World Cup with a traveling team in New York. What what year did you guys say that was? Was that 2011? Yeah. Yeah, World, World Cup. Five. Five. Yeah. I remember quite vividly that World Cup year um, because one of my really good friends, Mike Gray, was our coach. Coach Gray. Uh, coach Mike, we called him. Um, and he never showed up to a game uh, without a suit. So he always, he was the most professional coach out there, always had a suit on. And, you know, and that was, I believe, my first World Cup. Or, yeah, that was my first World Cup. And I just remember it so memorably because not only because of the environment, um, just had um, incredible teams and, it was smack in the middle of New York City, really. So, so many people were watching. I remember a couple uh, owls around. And I also remember that year because, unfortunately, one of our players in a really important game, got to say, I can't remember who we were playing, but um, we it was a knockout game. And one of our players ended up getting hurt. Um, which was the unfortunate part, but it really bonded our team together and just showed showed me like how incredible being a part of this Quidditch team and experience is to even though we had lost and we had lost a player due to injury as well, that we powered through the whole time, you know, like in laughter and in tears, we we just stuck together and like, it goes to show the fact that I can't really remember who we played and like what place in the tournament we took. Um, but I just remember all of us in a huddle and just like crying together, I think goes to show the, the bond that we had um, with Emerson Quidditch. So that was one of it. And then the house league team, uh, my other favorite moment was we went during one of the games, um, our snitches and the original house league games in Boston Commons, our snitch basically had a boundary of the entire Boston Commons. And if you know anything about Boston, Boston Commons has two different train stations, even though they're like literally five minute walk away. Um, and because of that, our snitch was, and the boundary basically covered the train stations. So our snitch was able to go underneath, um, underground into one train station and then come out the other train station. So uh, that was memorable because <laughs> I just remember the snitch running around and people were like, oh, we have no idea where to find them. And like, granted, you don't really look in the train station, but they were just hiding under underground. Wow. Uh, <laughs> 
yeah, in between, and like they basically hopped the gates too, right, illegally. Um, and between the snitch going underground, uh, climbing trees in the Boston Commons, and finding garbage bins to hide inside of, games lasted a long time during House League. And then eventually they implemented a rule where I believe after 30 minutes, they had to appear themselves into um, on the field so that we could actually catch them and end the game. Because otherwise, honestly, these snitches were just, they were having the time of their lives hiding and games would have lasted hours. Wow. I feel like I've heard some kind of quote unquote historic snitch hiding places from just being at Middlebury, but those are, those are some pretty good ones. <laughs> So how would you kind of characterize the Emerson Quidditch community when you were playing there? I don't know what what would be a good word to describe it, but it was an incredible community where it brought students from all majors um, and all across the whole university together into a common common activity. So because of that, um, it was very lively. And it doesn't really matter what, how, like, you know, what major you were in, what you were studying, and nothing else really mattered except for Quidditch. And it, it was a family. It was a huge family. You got your internal kind of Boylston berserker family. Um, and then... You have your whole House League family and then the World Cup family all kind of blended in together. Um, and then from that, were there any particular traditions from your time there that you really liked? I would say I just really enjoyed the end of year gala that we had, end of season gala that we had every year uh, where there were some awards that went out for individual House League teams um, or individual, you know, house league players. Um, and of course we always had our annual tournament, uh, to see which house league team was the best and yeah, everyone dressed up. Um, we, we had some food, had a dance just to get together and celebrate the, the season. And I guess, I don't know if this is really a tradition, but I figured I'd mention it anyways. Um, I remember when Cito and I were were captains and everyone was kind of asking us to like host a party. Um, and I wasn't really keen on hosting like a big rager or anything. And so I told everyone that I'd host a party at my place if everyone dressed up and it was a wine and cheese party. Uh, oh and gosh. so... Yeah, so there was one one night where I had everyone dress up and come to my place. Um, and it was awesome. We just, we got drunk on wine, had a whole bunch of cheese. Um, and it was, you know, unlike any other rager party that I had been to, we played some music, hung out. And my main reason really for, for dressing up was in my mind, I was like, if we dress up, then we won't get as drunk and things won't be as crazy. But that wasn't really true. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 
but <laughs> 20, 21-year-old mind was like, yeah, that makes sense. <laughs> no, that's always like, I feel like when you dress up for food, like a party, it's always like, oh, this is going to be classy. And then no, sometimes it just devolves into the same thing, but with nicer clothes. Exactly. Exactly. At least when you look at the photos, it looks like it's classy. What exactly. happened that night is, you know, no one needs to know about that. But. <laughs> uh, and then, so we've talked a little bit, like you're not obviously as like involved and following along necessarily with Emerson now, but just in terms of your experience with playing Quidditch at Emerson, are there things that you kind of took away from um, your time there that you would then give advice to people kind of after you into how to kind of help the program thrive and continue to succeed, whether just like existing or having the same similar kind of culture um, or kind of competitively, any way you want to Mm -hmm. look at it, I guess. Two parts, I guess, to the answer to the question with the culture I would love to see, you know, House League, House League come back. I don't know. Maybe you guys know from the other interviews too whether why um, the House League has kind of fallen off a little bit. But the culture of the House League, um, I would definitely, you know, suggest to try and try and bring back, um, just because that was so unique. And in terms of the the competitiveness, um, what I take away, especially now as a personal trainer, I would highly suggest to have a solid strength training program to go with the practices for Quidditch. You know, oftentimes in athletics and sports, I think even growing up, we tend to just focus on scrimmaging, running drills for specific sports which are super important, don't get me wrong, but um, I think the strength training aspect of it in the gym is is going to bring your level up 10 times. Like I wish I had that, you know, throughout high school, uh, throughout basketball, rugby, and, and I started doing a little bit of it um, when I was playing Quidditch, but you know, I do have to say it was very half-assed. I didn't really know what I was doing. So one thing I would suggest, um, especially I think for Emerson players who Emerson is not not a super athletic-focused university, um, if they are able to, you know, reach out and and be in contact with a trainer uh, to bring their level up of strength, I think that would that that would be awesome and they'll see the performance difference when they do play the sport but that also goes for every other every other quidditch team as well not just emerson yeah and and emerson was actually when i started to think about becoming a trainer so i guess that's kind of another story was um i started training i started lifting weights with some of the girls from the emerson quidditch team and and a bunch of them after a while was like, oh, you should totally become a personal trainer. I didn't really see that through to fruitation until about eight years later. Uh, but, you know, that when I think when people ask me why I became a personal trainer, that memory is the first that comes to my mind. 
So our next guest on this episode of the podcast is Tyler Trudeau, who started playing Quidditch in 2012 for the Boston Riot at Emerson and then went on to play for uh, ECQ for the next two years. Um, after that, played for Quidditch Club Boston and then eventually uh, Bosnian Bear Sharks, where uh, Tyler continues to play. And then in terms of MLQ, Tyler has been on was on the Boston Forge for a few years and is now entering... I guess the second uh, season that's happening with the Washington Admirals um, and is helping coach, or is coaching this year for them as well. Uh, Tyler also has a lovely dog named Lyra, who's an absolute angel. Um, So welcome to the podcast. Glad you could come. Guys, I am so happy to be here. Um, Lyra says hello too. She's working on a uh, bone right now, so... uh good for her Um, but uh yeah so happy to be a part of the uh, podcast today thanks yeah so can you start us off by telling us a little bit about your time at emerson college um what was your kind of like motivation for joining the sport yeah so uh i had kind of heard about college uh quidditch before of going to college so uh it was uh, this thing where I heard, I'm like, oh, people are going to uh, college to play Quidditch. That sounds weird. Whatever. And I remember going on my uh, first tour of Emerson College, and that felt like such a magical, magical experience. And I remember just falling in love with this school, and they were like, oh, by the way, we have a Quidditch team, and we're pretty good. And I was like, oh, my God, that sounds great. That's what I'm going to do. Like, I'm going to go to Emerson, and I'm going to be on the Quidditch team, and we're going to be really good and, like... I'm going to be a part of that. And I had no idea what that meant, especially because I didn't get into Emerson at first. I was put on the wait list and I was actually committed to another school. So I almost did not even go to Emerson, um, but got off the wait list, last minute change and uh, end up going to Emerson. And um, right after that tour, though, was the first time I really started like digging into Quidditch. And I remember like looking at photos of Emerson. I remember looking up them in the rankings i'm like oh they're eighth now oh they're fourth now like just seeing them like bounce around a little bit my uh senior year of high school because i wanted to see where i was going i'm like is this gonna be a good team and we looked good so i wanted to see what uh quidditch was all about especially when i got to uh college you started playing on the boston riot can you tell us a little bit about that team and what it was like to be on that team So the riot was Emerson's basically quote unquote B team, but was just really basically a group of kids that were good enough to compete on a uh, above level of house league at Emerson College. And basically uh, the riot was a group of people that wanted to be more competitive in Quidditch above just playing house league Quidditch at Emerson. And house league was like very competitive at that point too. And Emily, you can attest to that as being a house league player yourself but uh i i really was lucky to be able to on that team because i had a lot of uh, veterans being able to like help coach me and like teach me a lot about the uh game but also just like really becoming some of my closest friends and just like people that mean the world to me and the reason why i kept showing up to quidditch practice was because i liked the game so much and because i liked the teammates and the people I had and just being able to have fun with them and work with them and grow together was just what made it so special for me um so being a part of 
house league and then also the riot and um ecq so getting to kind of experience a lot of dish different aspects of like quidditch at emerson um what were some of your favorite experiences from those different like aspects um i mean there's just it's hard to pick just one and there's so many different uh things to think of um just kind of like the routine of going to house league on um sundays and um that was a whole process because i had a radio show where i was actually on like boston fm radio and that was a really cool thing that i got to do on sunday mornings because of emerson college but then it was always as soon as my radio show would end i would go down to right across the street on the boston common and go play quidditch i would like go dressed it while djing the radio show in my quidditch gear so just like remembering that to go and even if i couldn't play because the pulverizers would sometimes play before when my radio show was happening and i couldn't play but i would always go like and make sure i could snitch because it was like my friends were there and it was just always worth going there but also on the riot and on ECQ, just going to hang out with the team after practices or on weekends or traveling down to Maryland for turtle cup my sophomore year. And we took five hours to get out of Massachusetts because the traffic was so bad. And one of our teammates thought they were having a kidney stone. So we stopped and went to a hospital but then it passed so we were fine we got back in the car and drove for another 12 hours so it was like a 17 it wasn't 17 hours it was probably close to 13 hours of a car ride trying to drive six hours to uh, maryland and we get there have barely any time to sleep and we wake up first thing in the morning i forget my shorts so I have to wear someone's light blue shorts. And we already have really interesting uniforms at this point with Boston Skyline as our jersey. So I have these light blue shorts. And I forgot socks, too. So I only had a orange one and a light green one. And it was just a really ugly look for me. But we end up losing our first game of that tournament in overtime to uh, MIDC in the first game. And everything just seems to be going our way. We've had no sleep. Everything's awful. Uh, one of our players ended up did having a kidney stone as soon as we got there um, and didn't want us to have a stop in the car because it was taking so long. So they didn't tell us halfway through when it came back. So it was just all a mess that tournament, but we ended up coming together and um, winning out the rest of our games. And to Emily's expense, we were able to beat Tufts in the finals of that tournament and we won. And it was just one of the most special moments of, uh, just like bonding with the team and like coming together as a uh, unit while things were super low. And that was of course, like building onto the year that we actually got to run into the final four, which was just truly amazing as well. Um, being a part of that team as well. That was so talented and deep and just a close family at that point. Kind of touched on proudest moments and favorite experiences, but is there anything else you would like, to talk about for those another proud moment of um emerson is a time when i wasn't even on the team but um i believe it was 2018 
I'm not even sure what team um, Emerson beat, but they qualified for day two of the tournament. And I was so sad I wasn't able to see that game. But um, when um, Tim ran up to me and uh, told me that, I just basically broke down in tears with him and just, like, hugged him. And I was just so happy for the program and how far they had come and how hard they had worked to build up the program that had uh, – taken a, a big hit um after um dom and i uh left the leadership um my senior year so it was definitely uh such an amazing moment to see uh kieran and uh tim succeed like that and just like um so proud of what um tim and kieran and jose and tessa and rob and anna and just all the other amazing players on ECQ and what they have done um, since um, Kieran has taken over is just remarkable. And I'm just so excited that they'll be able to start getting a recruiting season soon and that they're um, going to be able to be able to start playing again. And it's just uh, amazing. It's really like amazing to see what uh, Kieran has done. Yeah. I actually I'm really proud of that. Yeah. I think I was a ref on that game and the amount of hype on the sidelines was like truly remarkable because you had Emerson alumni from all over. Like I know there were some lost boys on the sidelines, maybe some people, QCB, Bosney, like all of the places where you will see an Emerson grad go and play after college were there supporting their team. And, like, they were very loud because it's Emerson. <laughs> um, but they were – it was just, like, so cool to see the absolute, like, amount of support that the current team had at that point because of, like, just the sheer number of alumni. So how would you characterize the Emerson Quidditch community? I think I would say ever-changing is – the best word to describe it i feel like it has really gone through the absolute ringer of uh personality and just uh leadership and just all these different stages um from the very aggressive what's the game plan domination like they meant it they were gonna like hurt you and go for blood like this is before i think you and i even got to the quidditch scene but like the year before i got to emerson the head coach threw a clipboard at a fan at a world cup so there was different levels and then there goes to the level of okay david we know we want you to have that level that you grew up in with the people throwing clipboards and that aggressive sports background that you come from and i understand that because i also grew up in that type of a sports background but i also understand when leanne says people aren't going to want to play on a team like like that we need to be able to meet people in the middle halfway we can't be that aggressive and basically the culture kind of shifted in a way where i felt like emerson was very secluded and kind of to themselves prior to Leanne and I like stepping into leadership and then like the team became more social and like wanting to be open and uh, have the Quidditch community really bond. I feel like that Leanne kind of like 
sprung the like Quidditch community to like really start bonding together in my personal opinion just the way the program has progressed from hearing to being able to just really host a such inclusive and welcoming environment to everyone and like having people improve so drastically from like Jose uh, Rob McPherson um, Tessa Mullins just and it's Anaker just like all these players that just have grown so much through the program and um, necessarily I don't necessarily think would have joined the program back in 2010 when it was at that extremely aggressive phase and has changed into a program that has welcomed everyone and people have been able to flourish because of it. So our guest is Kieran Collier, um, who started playing in 2012. Uh, he played for the Park Street Pulverizers, the Boston Riot, Emerson College Quidditch, Quidditch Club Boston, and Bosney. Um, he's currently playing for the Boston Forge in MLQ and is also the coach of Emerson Quidditch. Sadly, he has no animals in his life right now, but maybe that'll change someday. Um, so hi, Kiki, thank you for coming. Hello, thank you for having me. If you want to just generally tell us about your time playing Quidditch at Emerson, like how you got involved. Yeah, um, I joined Emerson pretty much my first week of college. Uh, when I was in high school, a friend of mine who was a year above me uh, went to Emerson as well, and she joined House League, which is Emerson's intramural program. And so we would talk and she'd be like, I'm playing Quidditch in college. And, you know, we were both big like Harry Potter nerds and did theater together and stuff. And I was like, that is the coolest thing in the world. I can't wait to go to college. I looked up old videos on YouTube of like, um, like a snitch, like climbing, like on Middlebury's like campus, I think like on buildings and stuff. And I was just super pumped about it and had no athletic background. Um, and so I, I joined and got placed on an intramural team, uh, which was the Park Street Pulverizers, like you said. Uh, they were orange. It's my favorite color. I was really excited. And then I did the intramural program for, for two years. Uh, I started initially as exclusively an off-pitch seeker, which uh, I realized kind of towards the end of my freshman year meant that I never actually saw games of Quidditch being played. Um, so my, my sophomore year, in part because of that and in part because I was dating the captain of the intramural team and was one of the only people who was consistently showing up because I was dating the captain. I, I got to start playing Quaffle a lot more. And so I just kind of got a lot more uh, opportunity to, you know, be actively involved in the game. And uh, I think like my sophomore year, I really just kind of like fell in love with the game of Quidditch outside of the, the whimsy. And so my, my junior year, I decided to try out for Emerson's competitive team. Um, and at the time they also had Boston Riot, which was the, the B team. And so I didn't make ECQ, but I made Riot. Um, and so I played in the fall of 2014 with them. And then over the winter, they had tryouts for ECQ again. And so I tried out a second time and made the team. So I played for ECQ the next year and a half at World Cups uh, eight and, and nine. I scored a goal, one goal each at each of those nationals. Um, that was my, my contributions to the Quaffle game. Um, and they were both in losses. Um, and then my, my senior year, I ended up captaining because we, we lost a lot of people in kind of this mass exodus. Um, like Tyler Trudeau and Don Bailey kind of left 
to go to QCB when they were, you know, supposed to come back as veteran leadership. We had pretty much our entire beater board disappear into thin air. Half of them graduated and the other half who were all freshmen decided not to come back. And so there were just like a ton of holes in the program and no one wanted to, to captain. And so I kind of stepped into that because no one else really wanted to. Um, and I did that for a semester before kind of stepping away from my last semester of college when I like had to focus on doing like tutoring and internships and other things to kind of prep for the real world. Uh, and then graduated, played on QCB for a year and saw Emerson's program really struggling and uh, kind of asked them after the fact if they, they wanted me to come back as someone who played for a few years in a few different capacities and was still involved. And I could just help run the sublines and provide like input here or there. And that ended up leading to, to me coaching. And I've been doing that. Uh, this will be my fifth season coaching uh, this upcoming season, which is very exciting. And I really like it a lot. Yeah, so you've obviously spent a lot of time with the Emerson program. <laughs> A lot um, of time. <laughs> can you kind of go into like house league, which I think is one of the coolest things that comes out of Emerson College, and then kind of how you've seen the program grow and change and like, I don't know, just kind of talk us through mostly house league. I think that's one of the things that I really love to hear about for Emerson because it was like a big part of my college experience as well. Yes, uh, I love House League so much. Um, it's the reason I, I played Quidditch and still am involved in Quidditch now is cut because of those like feelings House League gave me and the, the friendships it kind of created. But for people who like don't know, Emerson's Quidditch program used to be incredibly robust. Um, they my my freshman year they added a sixth team to the intramural program, so there were six teams all named after different neighborhoods of Boston which was also just a nice little touch because like as a, a freshman, I didn't really know parts of Boston, but then there were the Jamaica Plain Jaguars. And I was like, where's Jamaica Plain? And now I live in Jamaica Plain. It's what, you know, uh, but like you get to kind of like learn about different parts of Boston just through the team names, which is really cool. Um, and I played for the, the Pulvies. Um, and essentially you would show up to a combine in the first week of um, every semester. And anyone who wanted to play Quidditch would get drafted to a team. Uh, there is kind of no one got left behind um, and you would, you know, try different drills and uh, get the opportunity to scrimmage and, and meet everyone. And it's literally like 150, 200 people on the Boston Common. Uh, and it's really cool, especially like when it's your first or second week at college. It seems like this really awesome community to be a part of. And then every Sunday is like dedicated house league time. Uh, the competitive team was usually playing on, on Saturdays, but like I didn't know that. I just knew that when I was creating my work schedule, I, I left Sundays free because from like 10 a.m. to 4 p.m., it was just go to the common and there would be uh, different games throughout the day. Um, all of the intramural teams played each other throughout the course of the season. Um, the, the teams were, were really uh, established communities, which I thought was really cool. Um, in the same way that like in Harry Potter, the houses kind of have their different personalities. The, the six different teams kind of all had these different personalities that were kind of, you know, adopted. Like I remember my freshman year, the, the Falcons were, uh, the Faneuil Hall Falcons were kind of like the consistently the worst team, but they were like, you know, we're here to like have a, a good time, not a competitive time and would like um, have like fly out onto the field, like with their arms waving uh, before games. And then the old North outlaws were like the super serious team because they had a lot of people who were also on the, uh the ECQ at the time 
and hi Sonny. Um, <laughs> and, and yeah, it was just super cool. And I, I um, all of the the like upperclassmen who were on the pulverizers were just really welcoming. I think you know they did a really great job throughout that whole house league community of just you know making the teams really feel like these isolated social groups that then could kind of come together for this this larger group that met every week and you know you party on on saturday or, or go to uh, someone's apartment and drink whether it was like the whole league so like 150 200 people in, in one boston apartment or you'd go to you know you do a, a movie night on campus with just the 15 or 20 people on your team or you know you'd do a fundraiser or you'd meet up for extra practices stuff um and so I met like a lot of really cool people there. I actually joined the cross country team because of the people on the pulverizers who also ran the cross country team and found out I liked to run. And um, so it was just really supportive. Like if you, I was involved in poetry in college too, and people on the team would like come to my poetry events because they knew that was happening. You'd go to um, people's improv shows or uh, musical theater performances and stuff. Uh, is really cool and uh, kind of dwindled. Um, for, for a few reasons um, towards like the end of my college career and particularly once I, once I graduated. Uh, and I think a big part of that was uh, those upperclassmen who used to kind of be bastions of the program and like open up their apartments for, for freshmen and kind of create these opportunities for people to step out of their comfort zones. Emerson changed their housing policy. So instead of only being required to live on campus for two years and then kind of being pushed out into the greater Boston area for your latter two years of college, they, they switched it. So, your first three years at college, you had to stay on campus. And most people stayed on for their fourth year too. And it was because because Emerson and other local colleges were like gentrifying like East Boston and Dorchester and Roxbury and all these other like neighborhoods. So it was for a good reason, but uh, it also made it a lot harder for those social aspects to kind of really blossom because you know there were RAs everywhere. And I'm not gonna say there was any drinking under the age of 21, but I think like that definitely helped some freshmen potentially get out of their, their shells and, and develop these like friendships. But, um, oh, and I'll, I'll also add, there was like no, no, uh, no tackling. So it was an adjusted rule set. The games were shorter. Um, it was kind of like what you would imagine like rec league Quidditch would look like either. So it was also really easy for someone who was less athletic to play because, you know, you're going against like David Fox in his Emerson College days, so this this very large person <laughs> like coming to tackle you, but also he can't tackle you, so he just kind of like puts an arm around you like he's your friend and just kind of like holds you, and so it's much less intimidating. Um, and I think that also really helped too. You know, there wasn't any pressure to to really win, um, and if you failed or messed up, that was almost like incurred because it meant you were trying new things. I hope that was a good enough gush because I, I feel like even with that, I'm not like giving it enough like uh credit for like how impactful it was on my college experience but it was yeah. really great yeah i think house league was such a great way to like if you look at what boston is now with all of the community and how like friendly and like involved teams are with each other you can directly trace that to emerson house league but what is your proudest moment of being just involved at Emerson Quidditch. So you can, if you want to do one while you're playing and then one while you're coaching, that would work. Or if you want to do multiple, just like kind of follow your heart. <laughs> yeah, I, there's so many. Um, 
I think like the coaching one is is both really easy and really hard because I, I really do think like every single practice I like get just so proud of like seeing the players improve and I think it's just such this this great relationship uh, and I think coaching in general is so reciprocal and that you know ideally the players are getting a lot out of it but you as a coach are also getting a lot out of it from seeing them them grow and you know challenge themselves and so I think I you know I feel proud every time I I, I watch them play but really. Um, in 2018 nationals, which was the first year I was coaching, I think um, no one really knew, including us, kind of how we would fare. We, we had, I think, three or four people who had gone to L.A. for the spring through Emerson Study Abroad program and then flew from L.A. to nationals. So there were people on the team who had never met each other before that nationals. And this was coming off of the year before where for the first time ever Emerson didn't qualify for, for nationals. And just that that whole two days was absolutely you know wild for for so many reasons but we like played our first game was was against ball state who were regional champions that year and we were only down 40 when they caught and then we played unc uh when justin cole was still there um and we were down 90 at one point but then uh justin cole got red carded out and then gabe garces was the snitch and so I, we took the beaters completely off of seeker play and we were able to get within 20 points. Um, so in, in snitch range before UNC ultimately pulled for us to lose. But I think like that was such a cool moment because you really saw like, we have a, a saying now that's we play better happy. And that was because we took uh, Tim Corrible out because he was getting so frustrated at the, at the refs and the physicality of the game. And he was like, kind of like, you know, losing his cool. And we took him out. And then all of these freshmen who was like their first nationals ever first year playing just started kicking UNC's butts for a bit and um, pulled us within the game. And it was just so cool for me and him and all of the older players to see, you know, the younger players making the charge and bringing us back into it. And then we got a bye. And so we had to essentially win our last game of the day to move on to day two and to get a win on the, the day. We ended up playing University of Florida, and it was, uh, I think, like pretty much like a tie game throughout. I think it was like final score was 160, 130 or something, you know, like just like completely tied goal to goal. And uh, Rob McPherson kind of caught the snitch for us, and we all versed the field, and it was the first program win in uh, since day one in, or in 2015, um, which was a while before that. Um, and then we played Texas Tech in the playing round, and we were down only down 30 to them before they pulled. And so we never, we like the final scores of the game was like minus 40, minus 20, even, and then minus 30. And so uh, I was so proud of that Emerson team that year. Cause it was, you know, my first year coaching too. And uh, it was new for me. They like really took a chance on, on me coaching them. Uh, so that was really great. Um, so that, that's my proudest moment, probably coaching. And then, then playing, there's there's less <laughs> because I just didn't play uh, as much or in as uh, meaningful moments as as I've coached. But um, my junior year was my first year captaining the Park Street Pulverizers, and we had been one of the the two worst teams in, in the house league the year before. And we ended up getting a lot of uh, talented people on the team, like John Jackson and Ethan Sturm, and we had Tyler Trudeau already. Um, so we, we definitely had some talent, um, but we, and we, but we also had a ton of new players too. And my like main goal as, as a captain was to really try and raise our, our floor as opposed to raise our ceiling. And so I really worked that year on establishing fundamentals and like teaching new players how to play 
And I remember um, some people who, who never went on to play competitive Quidditch. So like, you know, they'll never listen to this or, or know, but like Lena Benich and uh, Amanda Kochi, uh, Tim Gersten, who briefly played for NYU after he transferred, uh, Sabrina Combs, Lukau, like a lot of them joined that year and were part, a huge part of the reason we ended up winning. And, and the, we played best of three. Um, and so we ended up going to the finals and in the first game of the finals, I, I got to play a lot. So I, I scored two goals and caught the snitch for us to win. So that was like a big moment for me. But then the second game, I didn't go in at all the entire game. And I just kind of got to watch all of these other people also win. Um, and it was just so cool to, again, to see, I think it's part of the reason, like when the seeds were planted that I'd really like coaching, but it was just like, so, so cool to see all of these people I had worked with for the past year end up winning the, the Griffith Cup championship without me ever having to go on. And I know Tyler uh, Trudeau felt really similarly because, you know, in, in the past, he had kind of been relied on a lot as like the best player on the team, but he beat for pretty much that entire tournament run. And we still ended up winning too. And I think both him and I, you know, we're just really proud that, you know, it wasn't us who, who carried the team to winning, but it, it was rather that everyone kind of, you know, really starred in their roles. And um, I, so many people scored a goal that season. And I think that was really cool um, for me. So that's definitely probably my proudest moment playing. And even that was still kind of coaching. <laughs> All right, so kind of moving on to a new question. Um, what is a tradition at Emerson that you really love? Uh, my favorite tradition is, is probably, um, we do a holiday party every year um, around like uh, Christmas, Hanukkah time. Um, and when I, I was a player, you know, we would do uh, Secret Santas and, and White Elephants and it was a, a very like, uh, like alcohol infused like <laughs> events and it was very much you know but it, it was always filled with like such you know love and care too because you're gifting you know you're pulling out these like inside jokes or personal connections and you know kind of showing that through these physical manifestations of, of gifts which is really cool and so you kind of like build bonds there but also the timing of it like in the in the northeast the fall season comes and goes so quickly and it's really easy I think for new players especially to kind of be on a team and then two months later like regionals is done and you're kind of just like oh, i don't know if that was for me like that was kind of like a lot in a short amount of time and i think the holiday party has always been like perfectly timed just to remind people of all of the highs of the fall season and to remind them that there's there's more coming um and so that's something i i really emphasized once i took over as coach was continuing that but you know, obviously the dynamics are a little different now that I'm an adult and there are some people born after the year 2000 on <laughs> Emerson. So it's not the same. Like I don't drink with any of the Emerson kids. want to make that clear. But like um, I usually offer my apartment um, and invite all the Emerson kids over and we'll like, you know, make our own hot chocolate and we'll go around and exchange gifts. And I also do paper plate awards at the end of the fall season. And then uh, we have the captains kind of do end of season awards at the end of the spring season. Cause I feel like at least you know, for me, it's like getting, if you stick through from the fall and you come back after the winter to the spring, I feel like, you know, like you're, you're hooked on Quidditch. Um, and it's really easy if you go to a nationals to come back because you've seen nationals, but that's always been my favorite because it's, it's just so full of love. And um, we usually have like a $15 like limit for the gifts. So it's never, you know, like anything like the, the gifts aren't special because they're exorbitant. They're, they're special because there's sentimentality to it or they're, they're calling on, on memories that have been shared throughout the course of the season. So 
that's always been my favorite. Yeah. And is there anything that you wish maybe had been improved or could be improved um, to like help sustain Emerson's like, at this point, I think you guys are at 12, 13 years of existence, right? Mm-hmm. So like kind of extending that legacy even farther. Yeah, I think a lot of the things are already being addressed somewhat. Um, I think having a, a division two is really important. So like Massachusetts Quidditch Conference does a great job of making meaningful games, even if we only ever play Brandeis and D1 teams. But like the, the concept is still there, even if the availability of like the Skidmores and uh, and UMasses of the world aren't. Um, I think, you know, potentially adopting what the rest of the Quidditch world has in a, a 4-3 max uh, or 4, four max gender distribution throughout Snitch on Pitch could be a really great first step. Emerson is a school that's like 65% women. And that wasn't always reflected in those early Emerson teams that are really historic, but definitely is reflective of who the team is now. Um, so I, I think just, you know, making other teams be more intentional about who is getting to, you know, lead actions on the field, whether from Quaffle or Beater, uh, and empowering, you know, people who have been kind of pushed to the side in the past of the sport, um, I think has been a, a big focus of uh, at least the current Emerson team on really just trying to you know, maximize the people we have. Because if you don't touch a ball, you're not really going to enjoy a sport that much. Um, or if you feel like you're not being valued by your teammates, your coaches, or even the other people on uh, you're competing against, if you feel like you're not being valued by them, like why would you bother continuing to play? So I, I think we're already making good progress, but I'd love to see some kind of change to the gender role to accommodate schools that, um, you know, might have different gender distributions. I know like there's a few schools in, in Snexy which is the Southern New England Quidditch Conference that are, um, I think, you know, predominantly women, um, traditionally women's colleges, but I, I think that's changed somewhat, but who haven't been able to play USQ official games because, you know, there's no men at the college. But I think, you know, there's room for those teams to have meaningful games within a, a USQ format, maybe some kind of, you know, non-contact version as well. We've had a lot of players who uh, have varying levels of athletic ability who, who can't play due to, you know, concussions or, you know, other other reasons who can't play contact, but still are really involved in the sport. And so I think Emerson has really transitioned from kind of, you know, a powerhouse that went to the, the final four to a team that, you know, has really, at least currently found its like niche within like, you know, competing to be the top of Massachusetts Quidditch Conference's D2. Um, but I think there's, you know, definitely room for different like levels of Quidditch. The Q3 and Q5 modalities uh, that Quidditch Mexico is doing right now are also really cool for smaller team sizes. So those are all the things bouncing around. I think Emerson as a whole is, is really well off because um, the current people in charge are doing a really great job of making sustainable practices so that the team will continue to exist. Our next guest is Tessa Mullins, um, who started in her second semester of freshman year. She captained the Emerson team for two and a half years and was treasurer treasurer for her last year. Uh, She was primarily a beater, but chased first in the first year, which is very important. Um, I feel like all great beaters at one point played chaser. And her grandpa has a rat terrier named Rusty, and her boyfriend's mom has four stray cats. 
So while she does not directly have any animals, she has some tangential relations. So welcome, Tessa. Hello. Can you just tell us what it was like kind of starting at Emerson and um, then eventually joining Quidditch and what drew you in? And I guess, yeah, just like what was the beginning of of that like? Uh, Yeah, so when I got to college, um, uh, I was not good at making friends. Um, which I think people who know me would be like, that's a shock, you're so outgoing. Um, but I uh, was quite the like dorm body um, and didn't really leave my room unless I had to. Um, and so towards the end of my first semester, I was kind of like struggling and being like, oh, I need relationships, I need friendship. And um, uh, I had a class with Anna Daniker, who's on Emerson or was on Emerson. Um, and also Avery Merton and Anna started playing her first semester. Um, and so she was like toward, towards that end of the semester, she kind of like approached Avery and us and we had sort of become friends through this class a little bit and sort of grew closer towards the very end of the semester. And she was like, like, well, one, we should hang out more and, you know, Quidditch is a way we can do that. But also Tessa, I know you're missing team sports. Like I told her, like I grew up in soccer and I wasn't playing soccer anymore. And, and I was just sort of missing sports. And she was like, Quidditch is a great way to, to play sports. Like, I really think you'll love it. It's a, it's a fun time. Um, and so we went to Christmas break, we came back and, um, you know, she'd kind of convinced me and Avery. So Avery and I went to that first, like, uh, winter, not really like a tryout, but like the first sort of event that ECQ held. Um, and like, absolutely loved it. Like every ounce of like social craving that I had kind of like missed that whole first semester that kind of like started my college experience out on like a rough foot um was sort of like wiped clean not even because I was like super good at it or like anything it was just like oh these are all nice people and we're just having a good time outside even though it was like freezing cold um (laughs) and so then I like I kept playing and and that sort of turned in from just like this is a fun thing to like I just kind of dove in and was like this is my thing this is my only thing now it's all I'm gonna do um I really poured myself into it and do you have any moments um, where you were like particularly proud of either what Emerson accomplished as a team or like you personally accomplished? Yeah, I think my proudest moment of the team was um, when we won against Syracuse at the 2019 regionals. Um, at the 2018 regionals, our last game was against Syracuse and it was perhaps the lowest moment of the team like in my four years. Um, and it definitely like sparked what was then a very, very rough few months, not because of what Syracuse did, but it just happened to be a Syracuse game. Um, I mean, it was pouring rain. Um, it was dark. Uh, I was concussed. We had a few other injured people. Someone broke her ankle. Um, there was like full on screaming happening on the field. I think at one point somebody like ran into the forest, um, just like a really low moment for the team. And so, when that sort of like instigated what was in a very rough few months, just sort of like community wise on the team, we walked out of what was 2018 to 2019, this spring of 2019 being like, what is this team? Like we were kind of lost. We were sort of, you know, like those of us that were left, I mean, we were like a small group of nine at that point. Like we had really fallen apart. Um, We're kind of like really shaken up and really like, I don't know what the future of this looks like. And so for fall of 2019 to really turn that around and we had this really big freshman class that were so um, spirited and joyful and really like brought the fun back to the sport. And so for them that really uplifting team to then go and like 
win against Syracuse really felt like a full circle, like completing of the story, like on a new positive foot sort of moment. Um, and I remember like, like, you know, when, when we pulled the snitch in that game and, and like, there's just that big hug and it, it wasn't like a, like a defining game for the tournament by any means, but it was really defining for uh, our team and like what, what the team like wanted to be and what the team was working towards to no longer be this sort of like dark thing, but that, to have this like light coming out of it. Um, I think it was probably like when I just felt the most like proud of what that community had become. Moving on, I guess a little from that, but obviously all of this kind of contributes to this question. Um, what, how would you kind of characterize the Emerson Quidditch community? I mean, like you said, you've, it seems like you've kind of been through a lot of ups and downs as a team. Um, but like, how, how do you feel like that has led you in, in how you would define that community, at least from your experience? Yeah, I think every year I've been on the team, the um, vibe has been like pretty different. Um, but I think like what has always remained the same is like the the emphasis on like fun. I don't think anyone on Emerson plays Quidditch for a different reason. Um, the the team is very much so like uh, based in like we do this because we like doing it. Um, we've had like conversations that are like, okay, like, are we trying to be more competitive? Like, do we need to start doing 6am practices? And sometimes people will be like, yeah, like, I want to be really competitive. But then we're like, do you? And they're like, no, nah, I just want to have fun. And we're like, yeah, it's kind of what I thought. Um, so I definitely think fun. I also think like Emerson as a whole, like as a college takes a ton of pride in its alumni network. Um, the Emerson mafia is like a big deal and it's like, half of what brings people to the school is that like this alumni network is huge and the network like within Quidditch is even tighter and it just like knowing that there's ECQ alum out there who would like take a bullet for me even if they've met me like once in their life um is pretty cool and I think like when you when you join the team like you feel that immediately I think that was something that like drawn me to it was like even though the, com- the community and like the team and, and th- has had like these interpersonal conflicts it's always come out stronger for it and so I think like community is always at like a focus of the team in all of its like iterations. Yeah, it's truly remarkable like how well connected people from Emerson are with other people from Emerson. It's truly amazing. Uh, do you have any traditions that you really love about Emerson? I really don't think I can call this a tradition because we've done it twice. But I'm choosing to believe that if there was a 2020 regionals, we would have done it the third time. And like, I think once you do it three times, it's at least kind of a tradition. And that's that at regionals 2018, the Disney Channel original movie Zombies had just come out. Um, I really recommend watching it if you like bad movies. Um, (laughs) I was also newly concussed when I watched it for the first time. So like my whole like concept of it was very disoriented um but we watched it in the hotel room except like kind of on and off and at one point everyone left to go get taco bell while i was like dead in my bed um but then it sort of became like a big meme on the team that we love this bad disney channel movie zombies and so then the next year we like sat down at regionals we sat down like every single freshman and we're like you have to watch this movie because it's a tradition now and we forced them all to watch zombies again and none of them liked it but we didn't care um and so i'm convinced that at 2020 we would have made the new freshman watch zombies and i hope that at 2021 
uh, Sierra and Danny make all the freshmen watch zombies at regionals. What a movie. What a movie to choose. <laughs> yeah. What things do you think have helped contribute to the Emerson program? Uh, I think, well, one, like Kieran Collier, enough said. Um, but also in the last, uh, in the end of the, what, what was the year was that? 2020. So the spring of 2020, um, we finally got affiliated with the school. Um, and while we didn't really get to like revel in what that means quite yet because pandemic, um, I do think that's going to like do crazy things for the program. I mean, let alone the budget we had this year was crazy, even though we couldn't travel or do anything, they still gave us. And so I think like that in general um, is huge and will continue to be huge. I hear like, they're almost like folklore tales about Emerson of the past and, and how sleek and how big it was and how big of a deal it was. Um, and so like knowing that that used to be the past and now we can barely feel the team, um, knowing that recruiting is that much easier when you get to say like, this is no cost to you. The school pays for all of it. You don't have to pay for anything. Um, I think that's going to be really huge when it comes to like recruitment and to retainment. Um, cause money is definitely a barrier in Quidditch. Um, so I'm excited. I'm excited for the future of Emerson for like that reason. Um, what are some things that you might like to see improved within the Emerson Quidditch program? I think um, all teams can relate to this from my experience, but I'm going to yap about it anyway because my team's heard me yap about it for, you know, the last three and a half years. Uh, and that's commitment. Um or at least texting your captains when you're not going to be at practice. Um, that's definitely something we struggled with was like, oh, we have this big team. Oh, wait, six people show up to practice on a regular basis. Cool, cool, cool. Um, so I think in general, uh, speaking to the individuals here that are still on the team, go to practice. Um, uh, I think like organizationally, um, Sierra and I particularly spent like, and Sierra more than me, honestly, she does most of the typing, um, <laughs> spent like a significant chunk of the last uh, couple months, but also like year or two, um, really like sifting through our constitution and all those documents and making sure that with me graduating um, and with like, you know, we're going into an year next year where like a bunch of the team will have never played a real game because of the pandemic. Um, and and a lot of who's left on the team hasn't been in, in um, administrative roles. Uh, so we really like did everything we could to make sure that the team was in a position that it wasn't going to turn over and then like splat into the ground. Because um, I think looking just like historically at ECQ, um, there's sort of this like cyclical nature of um, – you know, the team's doing really well and then people graduate and then it falls apart and then a few people rebuild it and then it does well and then people graduate and it falls apart. Um, and so we put a lot into making sure that it was in a position to like carry forward. Um, mind you, we did all that not being in a regular season. So who knows how any of it will apply mm -hmm. in regular time. Um, so ideally nothing significant needs to change right now because we fixed all the problems. Um, but also who knows how any of it will function in real life. 
Our next guest is Sierra Delk, who started playing her freshman year at Emerson, and she is a chaser. Um, she has had an e-board position and is currently in her second year as captain of Emerson Quidditch. She has a lovely greyhound named Surrey, who is fresh and crazy, and then a small evil greyhound <laughs> named Bree, who is named after the cheese, which is a great name for a dog. More things and people and animals should be named for cheeses. So welcome. Thank you so much for coming on. <laughs> Thank you for having me. Um, I second the cheese comment. I feel like I need to keep that in mind for any future uh, animals that I'm responsible for naming in my life. Um, <laughs> so I guess jumping into a little bit of Quidditch, um, can you just tell us kind of about your time joining um, Quidditch in the first place and starting at Emerson and what that experience was like for you, like kind of how you got drawn in and things like that? Yeah, totally. Um, growing up, I swam. I swam for 14 years in like summer league and in school. And Emerson like barely even has like a campus, let alone a pool. So I was really looking for a way to like stay active and exercise and everything. So I was like looking around at the options that weren't like, you know, sports that are like NCAA or whatever. And Quidditch sounded like pretty cool. So I checked it out and we do like um, 101s to introduce the sport to like potential like new students and everything every year and that's where I like ended up meeting my best friend who's Molly she's an amazing chaser still on the team we've both stuck with it um so like I came for the exercise and then I ended up like staying because of all the friendships I made so can you kind of talk about some of your favorite moments so far at Emerson uh, yeah totally um a big one for us um at the last regionals that we got to have in 2019 was um beating Syracuse um, in 2018, our regionals game against Syracuse was like a really low, low for us with like injuries and other things going on. So like coming back to regionals in 2019 with like an almost entirely new roster and of course our new jerseys with our like big rebrand was a huge moment for like the returners who had played in that game. And then for the new players who got their first one of the day in that game, um, it really just was like, Winning that game was like a huge, I know there's video of just like us rushing the field at the end of it. And it was like one of our like big moments of the game. I think I was crying by the end of that game. I don't know. It was, <laughs> it was a huge moment for us. Um, one of my own like selfish moments though, was once I was keeping in practice and Kieran, our coach went for a shot on the tall hoop and I blocked it and I got it on video. And that's <laughs> one of my favorite moments. <laughs> Yo. Blocking yeah. the top hoop is so impressive. So love that for you. Also love that for Kieran. <laughs> <laughs> Are there any particular like traditions from Emerson that you really love that you've been able to be a part of so far? Pre-COVID and everything, obviously we used to, before we were affiliated, we used to have to like fundraise and everything for regionals and we would do deliverable dumplings and so we would like spend just one night and we would advertise it everywhere and we would just like make dumplings and scallion pancakes and buy a bunch of soy sauce and deliver them to like rooms on campus for like until from like eight to like 1 a.m one whole night and it was always so fun because we're like in one of the kitchens like playing music somebody's cooking you know the the freshmen are out like delivering and labeling things 
and it's like super busy and then we get like all of our like money for regionals that night and it's exciting because it's like we're all working towards this goal and we're doing it in such a fun way and we're like all bonding and talking and dancing and it's a great it's a great time and we all leave smelling like cooking grease and it's there's nothing better yeah um yeah so when i was at tufts we saw emerson doing deliverable dumplings and we're like hmm interesting and then we started doing grilled cheese nights at tufts based on emerson's decision to do deliverable dumplings so it's a good time also food delivery yeah the dumplings were so great when i got them they were just like excellent midnight snack i think we had a bunch of people from tufts order once and then had like leanne drove them over or someone with emerson who had a car drove them over but yeah how would you kind of characterize uh the emerson quidditch community i would definitely categorize this as like a small community we haven't had a 21 person roster since i've been on the team but i think that makes us like closer in general um we're pretty wacky i mean emerson's a pretty wacky place in general and then you get all these wacky people doing an even like more niche wackier thing and that's pretty fun um lacking in height i'm like the third tallest person on our team at five seven um so (laughs) that's one of our key character traits is that we're all really short um and we're all just we're there to have fun um, we try to, we just go in and we're like, by the end of practice, everybody just needs to have fun and we all want to play and do something we love. And that's kind of like the attitude we try to bring um, everywhere we go. I feel like Emily and I have both, both talked about at various points in this podcast, like in different episodes and whatnot, that uh, it's important to remind yourself that uh, any sport, especially Quidditch, is a game. And ultimately, it's about having fun, uh, regardless of what other things you want to do with it, too. So, that yeah, it's great to, like, keep that at the forefront, especially as a team. Um, I feel like it can it can just help make that experience so much more positive when that is your focus and you're making sure everyone kind of gets that out of it. Yeah. If you're not having fun, you're not doing it right. Because why <laughs> would you do wrong. something that's not fun? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Do you feel like there's anyone who has been particularly influential in like shaping your experience at Emerson Quidditch? I mean, Kieran, obviously, um, Kieran has like played a huge role in this program, even like um, when he was a student and everything. Um, He just puts in like so much time and effort in for us. And we appreciate him so much for all he does. Um, And I was thinking about it earlier. I was like, I would really struggle to see where the program would be without him and then like even just individually where our own players would be without him he's an actual angel <laughs> we love kiki we do what things do you think have helped kind of contribute overall then to the emerson quidditch program i know like we've touched on this kind of along the way but are there like other key things that make it what it is um or things that you want to reiterate i guess more recently and like looking forward getting affiliated was a huge thing for us is going to be a huge thing for us going forward i spent my entire sophomore year on an affiliation process and working with our school on how we could make it work for us because we were really just seen as a liability and it's like especially the financial aspect of getting affiliated because it's so hard or the financial aspect of joining this sport because 
you know, you show up, you join the team, and then we're immediately asking for like what a hundred bucks for like jerseys and registration and all of this stuff. Mm-hmm. So it can be a big hindrance to a lot of students. And we, by being affiliated with, you know, getting mo- uh, money from our like student government and things, we're a lo- able to kind of take that burden off so that people are really just there to play and to have fun. Um, and it also gives us a better opportunity to be more present on our own campus. In the past, we haven't really been, well, haven't really, we haven't been invited <laughs> to our organization fair because we weren't affiliated. And just being in that platform and having those resources with like resources with um, like the leadership office on campus in terms of like marketability and using the school's name legally, because technically we weren't allowed to do that before this year. Um, and other things like that are <laughs> really big changes for us. Um, and on top of that, just like rewriting our foundational documents um, is something that's happened a couple times since I've been on the team. Um, my first year, we were revising our code of conduct. Um, now I'm finishing um, some other constitution revisions with like defining roles and writing some transitional documents and like just general outlines for leadership to make sure that the program like sustains itself. Because in the past, I mean, it happened with like House League where it was like a few people ran it and then they graduated and then nobody knew how to do it. So it like completely collapsed. Um, and just making sure that, you know, the team exists beyond who's currently running the team. That's cool. I mean, I think it's especially important in a small program to like set foundation at, or set things in foundation like that. Um, whether that's like getting affiliated with a school or like helping just put pieces in place to help it continue to succeed in the future um, could really go a long way. I'm just so excited for y'all that you have that because I think it's going to be so great. And I know that's something that like when I was spending time with a lot of Emerson people, it was like they were always just constantly fundraising. And now you guys have money so you can spend that time doing other (laughs) things, which is great. So is there anything that like looking forward that you want to like see happen with the Emerson program? Like what are your kind of goals for where it's going to go in the next couple of years or so? Um, I just hope that it grows, not even just like with numbers, but also just the involvement that our kind of team has. Um, Like I said, our team has really suffered in the past from like the same few people holding several leadership positions, which isn't sustainable. Um, and just hoping to see even now with more players that are even younger, just stepping up and filling those roles. Um, I'm really looking forward to see, um, not just this year, but even going forward. Um, cause it's been harder for, I think in the past to see how much goes into like running the team and getting things like up to date and maintaining it. Um, and so hopefully with all the changes that we've made, this past year and the guiding documents and everything, we'll start to see that change and shift so that the team can last for a long time with a lot more people involved in running it. Yeah. Uh, how have you kind of helped make sure that during this like COVID time, your team still kind of had that like team experience, even if you couldn't fully be going to practices or games or tournaments? Um, we did a lot of like virtual workouts, virtual game nights. We had a Catan tournament and now none of us ever want to play Catan ever again. <laughs> um, we did a lot of that. We actually were lucky enough to get to practice this past year. 
um, I kind of threw in the school's face that <laughs> D3 teams were practicing so I could practice. Um, so we were really grateful to get to do that. I'm like looking at like just like the resilience of our incoming class this past year and like not getting not having the opportunity to compete but still like coming to practice and you know virtual like workouts and things like that and just their willingness and their positivity to just be on the team has been so great to see and i'm so excited for when they actually do get to play their first game i think it's going to be huge thanks to nick Treblonsky, our producer and christina gux who created the music featured on this podcast Please remember, as always, to submit any questions you want us to discuss in the form linked in the podcast description. And remember to check out the other 8th Man podcasts, the pod hosted by Kellen Cupid and Big Man Bias with Ashton Jean Lewis. Thank you again for listening. And we are so excited to continue on this journey with you. We have so many ideas for programs that we want to talk about.